You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and today I am extremely fortunate to sit down with Mr. Louis Barone, personal trainer in Miami Beach and Miami, Florida. Louis has been a personal trainer for several years in Miami Beach. I call him the guru. He is extremely knowledgeable. He has a huge heart, good person. I think the world of this guy, I look at him like a, a brother, younger brother, little brother, even though he's taller than I am. <laughs> and... I love bending his ear. I love talking to him. So, Lewis, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be back. Last time we talked, Lewis, we talked about your evolution as a person and a trainer and your growth, what you've learned, uh, your goals, things that you would like to achieve in the industry. I know you're knocking those things out, and, and it's fun to watch. It's pretty Thank inspirational. You. But also, I'd like to get into the relationship, uh, meeting your client for the first time, because... Several trainers will listen to this podcast, and I want them to experience what you've experienced and how you form that bond. So let's talk about how you meet someone for the first time, um, how you you know build the bridge, um, get to know them, you assess them, and just cultivate that relationship. And let's talk a little bit also about the differences from when you first started till now. Sure. So when I first started, uh, those initial um, points of contact were. They were awkward sometimes. They took a little bit longer than they should have. And, uh, you know, in that in that initial meeting, you're really trying to gain rapport with your client. You're trying to understand um, what they want to do and how they want to do it or how it would best fit their life. But in the beginning, it was, you know, I hadn't established my identity yet as a personal trainer, as a coach, and, and, and the specific areas that I wanted to work with and specific demographics I wanted to work with. And so in the in the beginning, it was so general, um, you know, the conversations were more like, you know, well, where do you work? What's that like? You know, it was very it was just very basic, you know, just starter of conversations. And sometimes they didn't even leave that point, you know. And do you think that's be just because you didn't have a tons of tons of experience to start with, but you kind of didn't know where to go with those questions and what. I always say, are you mindful of what's happening in front of you? Right. Are you picking up on different things? Different things like the person's arms are full of this, sitting sideways, they're looking down, they're not looking you in the eyes. It's not what they're saying, it's why they're saying what they're saying. And right. what's why, what's the why behind the why, we know that. But, you know, figure out why they're saying it and what's going on. And that's those are huge pieces that you don't want to miss. Yeah. Right? Don't yeah. miss a moment. Yeah, and most of it was just, you know, I hope they like me. You know, I hope they like me. I hope they they have the money to do this, you know. And I, I was looking at the worst, I wouldn't say the worst, but I was looking at pieces that ultimately didn't matter because they were so superficial. And, you know, and uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say that in the beginning it was a very superficial experience. I was very general and, you know, I was just, you know, we're going to do the best exercises and it's going to be the best workout you've ever had. And, you know, it really didn't mean anything, 
you know, it was just a lot of pump up talk and get them motivated, you know, slap hands and let's get this going. It, there was there was really no connection there. I was just hoping they'd like me. Right. And looking back now, do you see yourself thinking, holy moly, I can't even believe that someone put their trust and faith in me? Because that's the way I feel at times. Because when yeah. I started, did I care? I always cared. It was always important to me. But knowing what I know now and paying attention the way I do now, it's much different from who I was when I started. Yeah. Big time. I think the biggest thing for me, though, because I, I mean, I have clients till this day. I have two of them that actually started with me at the very beginning when I first moved to South Beach and I really started taking it serious as a career. Um, and they're still with me till this day. And I think the reason why is because even then I had something where, you know, maybe I didn't have all the information. Maybe I wasn't the most seasoned, you know, veteran, but I always cared. You know, and I think they got a sense of that, how much I cared. So even when I didn't have the information, whether I was referring them out, we worked a lot with Adele at that time. Adele um, was terrific, right? Yeah. And, um, and one of my clients worked with her for over a year. You know, so they really bought in. They trusted me because I cared. I always showed up. Um, on time. Yeah, on time. Like, you know, all the little things, all the little things. And ultimately, you know, we think that we have to know the anatomy book, you know, forward and back. And we have to know biomechanics. And, and yes, you should add those things because sub substance is very important to have, you know, within your system. But ultimately, if you don't care about the person that's in front of you, they know that. You know, and they're just going to run the gig as long as the gig runs, whether it's 10 sessions, 12 sessions. And then, you know, and then you say, oh, well, you know, would you like to continue? Like when you have to ask, would you like to continue? You know that there's really no substance behind what you're doing. You have no real connection with that person. No, no real relationship, you know, and it isn't a relationship. You have to cultivate it and grow it. And, you know, you have to continuously progress and find new points to contribute and grow together. Um, you know, and so you want to make them a part of the process and continue to ask them those questions that are going to make them dig deeper and continue to see purpose in what they're doing. And you, and you mentioned that early on you cared. You know, I've learned so this lesson all, over and over again. People do care what you know, but of course they don't care what you know as long as you care, right? They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. If you care, they're going to put their trust in you. And you break it down to what exercises are right, what exercises are wrong. Each person is different. Give them exactly what they need. What's wrong? What's right? What's wrong is something that's unsafe. What's right is something that's safe. Start there. Yeah. And then every individual is different. What are they, what's their intention? Why is it their intention? What are they trying to do? We talked about it before. Each person... Its goal, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, should be longevity. Sure. And then from there, we can do multiple things. If you want to increase strength, reduce body body fat, optimal body composition, whatever it may be. So, what has helped you uh, on this pathway toward being a better intake client, like taking them through the process? What types of things are you doing now? that's helped you step up your performance, your assessments, and the experience with Louis Barone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it started a long time ago when I realized that that was the one thing I had that you, know, you couldn't buy, which was that sense of care for what I did. And during that time, you know, in, the, in the gym we worked at, there was a tier system, and the way that it worked was based on education, but also 
was based on productivity. And I remember at the point where I was the next tier up was based, you know, I had already done the education part. So the next base was going to be based on productivity. And I hit a point where I was ready based on productivity. And so the managers were pushing me to go to the next tier. But I didn't feel that I was ready based on the fact that, you know, at the time you and I worked together and I would see guys like you and, you know, and, and other trainers that were there that had been there a while and had a ton of education. You look at their board on their trainer board and you look at the list of education they have and it's incredible. So I, I, I thought to myself, like, you know, I'm sitting there with one certification. I've been here less than a year. I don't think I'm ready because I don't think that, you know, that it's fair to my clients to train with me at the same price that they could be training with a guy who's been doing this for seven years plus with you know way more certification than i have that just shows the level of commitment they have toward their business and the level of knowledge they have and experience they have and so i didn't think it was fair and then you know and i told my clients about those things and they were kind of the ones to boost me to like you can do it like you know yeah. you've been taking on the search you've been trying and they were really the ones that convinced me to move up um so with that 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 pushed me to seek out more information to get better at what I do. And I started adding, you know, after that first year, I had like seven different certifications at this point, kind of lost track. Um, and just that, that alone. And I, also trying to develop myself as a person and also within the health and fitness industry, because I've always been athletic, but I was never able to really control my body in the way that I can now, whether it be performance or even just aesthetically, if I want to create a change. Or as connect, connected, you mean, you mean making a significant change? Yeah. Yeah, at that time. I but mean, not necessarily moving in performance. Right. Okay. So at that time, what happened was like, I mean, I was always athletic. So my rituals kept me somewhat fit, but I was never able to be like, I'm going to be at this body fat percentage and do this or compete at this level. Like I was never able to really put together the numbers in that way where I could be that specific about a goal. And then I started learning how to do it. So I started learning how to apply systems. I talked with you a lot. I worked with Adele and I started how to manipulate my food and tie that into, into my training and then, you know, manipulate performance. And um, so, yeah, going on that path for myself allowed me to see, like, it's not as simple as, oh, just do this, you know, or, oh, just work out. Right. You right. know, and all those general There's statements that I would make. That, exactly. Right. So all the general statements I would make initially, you know, those went out the window and it got more specific. Specific. Even when I asked goals, it wasn't okay with like, I want to lose 10 pounds. I would roll on that initially, you know, in the beginning. And now I was like, okay, why? You, you would know? roll on it? Like, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, that, that, that'd be it. All right, perfect. Let's go. Let's get this done. And okay. I would pick that as, as the goal. Perfect. 10 pounds. I would never bother to ask, well, why 10 pounds? Like, why'd you pick 10 pounds? You could have picked 12. You could have picked 11. You could pick nine and a half. But you picked 10 pounds. Why 10 pounds? And why is that important? Specifically. And I would just ask specifically, specifically, specifically. Um, more questions yeah get to the root yeah because the more specific those questions were the more specific my solutions could be and i and then i realized i don't have any solutions they have the solutions all i can do is hopefully have enough resources to build a strategy around their solution once i figured that out it got even better because literally even you know you can ask some of my clients they'll run the schedule they'll create their own training schedule Sometimes I'll ask them to find their own program. I'll say, look, there's plenty of resources out there. I want you to go get your own program. So really? I make them very much a part of the process. Of course, I'll take the program and be like, okay, well, you know, this is good, but we'll probably scratch this and this because okay. of this and this. But I make them a part of the process. I don't just coach or just talk down and just say, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. You know, I make them buy in. That's the only way it will stick. Do they, at what point... 
do you start to incur hurdles and when you start to incur those hurdles with your clients how do you help them through because people get hired more often than not to motivate and i firmly believe that you can motivate someone i know i can motivate someone but motivation long for the long haul a long period motivation coming from another will not last you have to have a reason from within as eric thomas says there has to be a significant why and if they don't have it in their heart and you're doing more work you're more committed than they are how do you handle that because this happens and you know you they want it but they're just not prepared to commit to it yeah based on their actions yeah they think they are yeah. How do you handle that? I think sometimes if you're more committed than they are, then you're out of sync. You're out of rapport. Um, and now you have to ask yourself, am I after the goal for them or am I after the goal for me? Right. So I feel better about myself that I got my client that goal. You know what? Sometimes it's okay for them to sit at a plateau. That's not a bad thing, you know, because there's there's something to be learned. and There's, there's growth there, right? There's Yeah, there's growth if you're seeking it. But if you're just knocking it and you're saying, you know, well, you know, you're not supposed to do this. You know, you're not supposed to do that. Why are you eating that? I thought we said we wouldn't eat that. You know, if that's what you're on, then you're not truly understanding your client. And it's probably more about you than it is about them. And so sometimes, you know, I'll let them stumble. You know, like I said, I'll make them a part of the process. Um, And I'll say, you know, what good is coming from this? You know, you're off your goal. We've hit a plateau. But what, what are some of the good things? Well, you know, I stopped tracking my macros, so that's I don't have to do that anymore. And they'll they'll find good things about what they don't have to do anymore because okay. there's just as many problems as there are rewards that come with hitting a goal, you know, and vice versa. So that's another thing I do. Dan John, I read it in his book. Um, Dan John's great. Yeah, fat loss happens on a Monday. It's not actually his book. He just forwarded it. Uh, Josh, forget his last name. Is who did Dan John do that book with? I forget his name is Josh something. Um, it's called Fat Loss Happens on a Monday. Great book. It just keeps it basic. They give you programming in there. They give you like meal shopping list and you know it's okay. yeah it's 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 a cool book. But what he talks about in there is the four quadrants, and that's when you ask a client when you're when you're creating a goal, you say, "What's good about getting the goal?" And of course, everybody can come up with that. And then you say. Um, you know what's good about not getting the goal and usually that puts the client in like they're like wait what what's good about not getting the goal they're like nothing like i'm gonna be fat and i'm gonna do this and it's like well but there's still some good things and it's like yeah well i don't have to change that's one okay mm-hmm. that's a that's a great thing no one wants to really change people prefer to live in their comfort zone because the body's always seeking the path of least resistance so that's a great one right and that'll be the one that usually keeps people out of changing right and then you ask them you know what are, you have to know the consequences of not changing right what's bad if you don't create this change because people do things on emotion and when they know that there's pain involved that'll create a certain amount of emotions and most people do things to stay out of pain or move away from pain than they will to move toward pleasure so sometimes that's really the key component that key question but you have to ask it in a way where you're like locked in and you're you know you're fully connected with that person where they can let that wall go be vulnerable and tell you how bad it's going to suck if they don't get this thing done and that's hard to deal with with in most cases because you know you're thinking about like damn i'm going to get all this pain and they're still stuck in that place of ambivalence where they just can't create the change even though they know they want to and usually it's not because of strategy 
you know it's it's a lack of commitment lack of of discipline and it's a shitty story they're telling themselves of how they're not smarter or they're not better and that's those are false identities because you know that if you have a growth mindset you can overcome just about anything it's just about perseverance it's about discipline it's about committing to that you know committing to the acts that are in alignment with your values and priorities and not not quitting or you know building out excuses living in your head you know and telling yourself all the reasons why you can't do it that being said do you think that most people are ready to go to that place to have a clear understanding of what's going on within them because it takes a big person to genuinely assess how they're feeling and how they're thinking to move ahead because let's face it most people don't want to deal with that they yeah. they get those feelings they something comes up inside them and they say go away with that i don't want to deal with yeah. that it's so true you know at first when i started figuring this stuff out i mean even growing up as a kid i always thought like what's wrong with me you know i want to do these things but shit when it comes around to it like i don't do it or i don't stick to it or you know i get on this thing for like two three days and then i fall off we don't yeah yeah right there's so a reason for that it would yeah. drive me nuts so you know i started taking psychology classes in in college and i started trying to figure out the mind and how does the mind work but einstein says says something like this it's like you can't solve the problem with the same mind that created it and the idea is like you can get, just get the hell out of your head. You're trying to figure out this problem in your head, but you're stuck in your head, which is where the problem lies in the first place. So what I started learning about, and actually the last couple of books I read um, have really helped me kind of see this much more clearly, uh, Clearly, is um, The Power of Habit. Great book. Amazing book. Uh, and then Switch. And I've, it's Switch, and it has a couple other words to it, but anyways... Uh, switch and it just talks about creating change Do you know the author of switch um, i'll look it up I'll, I'll actually i have it, it on, on my phone i'll yeah. look it up please continue so they helped me it helped me realize like i'm not gonna figure this thing out of my head i'm not gonna figure out necessarily meditating which you know those are good practices but you're still in your head the way all i have to do is say okay well how am i feeling and then i have to know that feeling is controlled by my focus and my physiology meaning how i'm using my body so when I have a feeling I don't want, I can stop and look at, okay, let's look at this. First of all, what's my environment like? How am I using my body? What is it that I'm thinking about that's making me feel this way? Um, you know, is this, is this happening on a routine? Is it usually like around two o'clock that all of a sudden this thing hits me where I've got this feeling of despair? And is that happening because usually at two o'clock I'm just sitting at my table? Like, you know, if I can look at those, I can simply change the habit or change my physiology, change my focus, but that just means that I'm still catching that pattern, that habit. And life can be as simple as that is just being aware of your patterns, being aware of your environment, being aware of the thoughts that you're having, you know, not just living on autopilot. And if you can change your habits and you can do that consistently over time, you can change your life because your life is the outcome of all your habits, of all your rituals. Right. Yeah. So once they're, uh, let's say they're aware of those things, how do you implement it, implement those changes? Because now you you figured out, hey, every day at two o'clock I have a mini binge. Yeah. And I'm eating and I'm eating sugar and I'm crashing. 
well, we, we both know there's certainly a reason for that. Yeah. And it actually makes more sense than not. But uh, how do you give them information to arm themselves to, you know, withstand those tough times of, uh, hey, it's 2 o'clock, I'm crashing, I need something. Yeah. What are you going to arm them with and how? Great question. Once we get past the level of awareness, we're like, okay, I get it, Lewis. You know, I'm aware that this is, this is a pattern I've been running for, for quite some time now, and now I know what it is. Okay, great. How do we change it? So usually I'll say, I'll say something like, what's the problem? And they'll tell me the problem, and then I'll or say. Or what they think the problem is. Yeah, <laughs> what they think the problem is. And then I'll say, okay, great. And then I'll have them restate it in a question format, and then we'll just start working on solutions. So if the problem is, you know, every day around 2 o'clock, I just start binge eating because I'm bored. So, right. okay. So then the problem is, so then so they stated the problem. Then I say, put it in a question format. What can I do at 2 o'clock when I get bored instead of binge eating? Okay, great. That's a great question. Then I'll say, give me three possible solutions. And I learned this from, from Tony Robbins. You know, I right. study a lot of his stuff. So then you say, give me three possible solutions. And usually they'll look at you like, well, that's why I came to you. And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't have any answers for you, right? But I can potentially, hopefully, build a strategy for you based on your solutions. And they'll say something like, you know, they'll start rattling off suggestions. Usually they'll say, I don't know. And then we'll use like this kind of NLP tactic where you say, I know you don't know, but if you had to guess. And by the way, that I don't know is usually everyone's default. What do you want to do? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then most people, you know, they wonder why they're in despair and they can't figure out their life is because your auto response is, I don't know. So your your brain has to tell you you're right, so it doesn't come up with any solutions. It's, so it can say, "I told you, I right, didn't know." To say that they don't, it's like when you get an assignment, you have to do the work. You have to want to work through it and search through it and take steps. Yeah. It's like a, a rough draft. You got to put something down yeah. on paper, then we can work on it. You got to do something. Yeah. So Tony Robbins calls this your mental syntax, the order in which you go about your strategy. And if the first part of your strategy is, I don't know. You're going to have a hard time moving on to step two, right? Because if you put yourself in a place of disempowerment where you can't create that change. Anyways, so once we get past that phase, they give me three solutions, and then we start coming up with strategies together. Then once we get to the strategy point, so let's say that two o'clock binge. So say, you know, here's a, a solution could be that instead at two o'clock, instead of sitting on my couch like I typically do, I'll go for a walk. And better yet, when I go for that walk, there's this book I've been dying to read, but I never have the time. So I'll say, I'm going to go on a walk and listen to 20 minutes of this book. And we say, great, that's an awesome solution. But then I know that it's an awesome solution. You can have a great, you have short a great term. answer. Yeah, it's short term, right? It's short term. What's really going to get this thing to stick? And what's going to get it to stick is that it has to be super simple. And that super simple act has to give them a feeling of accomplishment, success, whatever feeling it is that they're after. They got to get a bit of that. Because if they can get that, well, then it'll become, it's much more likely it'll become a habit because they'll have a, you know, I do this and I get this reward, right? It's, I mean, we kind of function like rats in a sense, right? Um, and it's just conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. So we take that action and we make it even smaller. So what, what could we do to make that even smaller? To refine smaller? it? Yeah. Make it even easier, right? Like if you get to get, if you get to the point where you do the 20 minute walk and you listen to your book, awesome. But let's make that even easier. And usually the way I do it, maybe that is, so the way I do is I frame it for them and I say on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you can get that done? If they give me anything less than an eight, then we simplify it. 
if they say I'm I'm at a nine, okay, great, then let's try it. You know, that's that's a good place to be. Okay. But if it's anything less than an eight, then we we scale it back and we say, okay, what if we were just to step outside your door and just kind of hang out for maybe five minutes? How confident are you, are you that you can do that? Forget about taking the walk. Let's get outside the door. How confident are you? Well, that's easy. A ten. What you know? What's going to stop me from walking out my door? Great, because that's enough just to get them out of their head and thinking like, wow, I just did something different. I'm on a strategy. I'm gonna, you know, I'm changing, and that may motivate them enough to go and take that walk, but do it in a way that they would enjoy the process because they already feel accomplished. Hmm. And that's how we kind of reframe, make it simple, give them that sensation that they're after, the feeling they're after. Because ultimately, anything we do, we do it for a feeling. Right. You know. Could you give us a real world example? Or obviously, I never, uh, you know, giving away a name, but. Describe a situation that happened with one of your clients. Um, yeah, let's see. Okay, just recently. Um, client is, she, what she does is she, she has a meal prepping service and she actually meal preps for me. She's amazing. Um, since I'm not going to mention her name, I can't mention her business. But if, you know, if she's okay with it next time, you know, we'll, I don't know, we'll put it on the website right. or we'll air it somehow. Of course. She's awesome. Um, so she, here she is. She runs a meal prep service, um, keeping people healthy, keep, keeping people running on, on good quality fuel. Uh, and yet she was running into this issue where she wasn't staying consistent with her nutrition, right? So she actually runs, the way she runs the meals that she actually does it through macro calculations because that's how we kind of learn how to do it together. And, um, you know, so she uses a lot of the strategies that we've come up with as a team and 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 now she you know she helps me with mine because that's exactly how I eat. I calculate my macros and I and I, I like to eat that way it's easier for me. She was running into an issue where she wasn't keeping up with her. She wasn't keeping up with her nutrition, and so we we looked at it and we said, okay, well let's let's look at the problem. And there was two problems. One is that she was getting to the point that she was you know she was have getting so many clients at this point that she would didn't have room in the refrigerator, which is a serious problem. But here's the thing, here's something that we'll overlook, right? Like not having room in the fridge. We're like, come on, why aren't you eating right? But it's really, sometimes it's a simple thing that could be a huge roadblock. So she didn't have room in her fridge. And then the other thing was, she was doing running all these numbers and meal prepping to specific numbers for clients that when she got to her, you know, to her meals, she didn't even wanna have to deal with it. You know, she was kind of over it at that point. So we said, Okay, well, let's look at the one thing that we can handle. Now, out of those two, we can we can handle both, but the one was an external factor, and you know what we call it in coaching is just removing the negative, right? So we said, okay, well, that can be a simple solution. And here's the thing: is you know her answer was her solution was like I just need to be focused and I need to be consistent with the meals and the and the strategy that we come with come up with uh, the week before. But can you see how that's Number one, broad, very general, and number two, it doesn't have a specific action plan, you know. And those I should be this, I should be that, you know. That doesn't help anybody, you know. It's that's living in an ideal world, and everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, and that's that's right. How that's right. Living in ideals, uh, realities work. So, anyways, we broke it down and we said, okay, let's do this. What if you were able to, you know? What if you did have the room 
and you can have your meals packed away the night before. She was like, oh, well, that would be so much easier because I find myself being more reactive than proactive in a lot of these situations. I'm like, okay, I look in the fridge. None of the food is mine. Um, There's no meals left. Like, you know, I don't have the room to put my own. And then I just put something together real quick and then on my day, you know, and mind you, this, this woman's super busy. She runs like three different businesses now. So I said, well, you have all these coolers. So what if you were able to just pack your food in the cooler and then, you know, once a day you can just change the ice packs. It should keep it fresh. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, I could definitely do that. And I said, okay, cool. On a scale of one to ten, how, you know, how confident are you that you can do that? She's like, no, I'm sure a ten if I can figure out the space. Like, and I got plenty of bags. And she starts convincing me of the solution, right? I got plenty of bags. And, you know, that shouldn't be hard at all. And, you know, I know that all I have to do is do this, this, and that. And I can make the extra meals and it's not a problem. And I can do that. I said, okay, great. Well, then let's go ahead and start there, you know. And then, and then I also gave a point of like, okay, how am I going to help you as a coach? So the way that I decided to help, or the way that we decided to help, that I would be able to help is to set an alarm. And every morning, because in the morning was when she was in her peak state, right? Usually in the afternoon is where she was having the issue. I would send her a text message and say, hey, are you planned to succeed for the rest of the day? And she would send me her action was to send me a picture of her four meals set up for that day. Prepped, right? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. That's a, yeah. that's a nice little uh, story connection. So let's take a little bit of a uh, step break off the, that path. Now let's get into more of the mind and the relationship. You have you've had how many years have you been training? Uh, give or take like seven years now. Seven years. Have you ever had a person that, you know, wants to commit and they give you great effort, but every so often they fall off? Yeah. This person, let's say you, you get in the assessment room and you start to talk to them and ask them questions and they say, look, I want to uh, lose 30 pounds. And I want to get in shape. Or, or they don't say that, Lewis. Let me take you one step back. I want, right now I have 28% body fat. I want 10% body fat. How do you handle that? Because we got into, okay, why do you want that? And I'm going to let you take over. And let's get into explain and uh, cover future pacing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So John Berardi has, on Precision Nutrition, you can look this up and get it for free. It's called The Cost of Getting Lean. So if someone comes to me, they're at 28%, but they want to get to 10. That means that's a complete overhaul of, of life habits, not even just, oh, fitness. No, it's life habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is I'll run the client through the cost of getting there. The and then. Whole- Okay, the yeah. cost. Describe the cost. Right. Because you're talking about more than the, the financial number, right? Right. The sacrifice. Right. Take Explain that. Oh, the financial number is nothing in comparison to what you'll have to do. Um, you know, so, and this is kind of something that we, you know, we've talked about before too, is that clients will come in, they'll pay, you know, they'll pay a certain amount and they'll think, you know, why am I not getting a result and paying this amount for the for clients? Like, that's not what you pay for. Um, you know, you're being, you're paying... <laughs> You're paying to be told like the worst thing sometimes that you have to do because you know in essence you're doing everything outside of the norm of what you would typically do. But that's a complete overhaul. So I would explain them just that that they're gonna change the way they eat, sleep, how many times a week they exercise, who they spend time with. Yeah, 
exactly who they spend time with, their social environments, everything has to change. Look, I'm sitting around, you know, 70% body fat. That's on the, on the, the, the actual uh, in body that I use. If I had, if I had to say personally from what I've seen before doing just skin fold, I'd probably say I'm sitting around 10%. So I can tell you right now, I track all my food. I work out six days a week pretty intense i have a progressive overload in my training program which constantly changes so i'm always adding new stimulus different changes to my programming my food changes i change my macros i track it monday through sunday even my cheat meals i'll plug in and that's what it costs me to sit around 10 percent, give or take so i explain that to them and and that's the truth and honestly some trainers it's either because they're either uneducated or because they simply just want to, you know, get the client to like them and it's root them on and agree with everything they say and sure, we'll get it. Sure, we could do that. Okay, no problem. It's bullshit. You know, nine out of ten times, that doesn't even fit their values and priorities. It's not even a place they need to be. That guy who's, if you've been at 28% and, you know, if you're at 28%, chances are you've probably been there much of your life. Some people hit this point where, you know, something happens in their life and all of a sudden they go on this downward slope. A breakup, right. a family crisis. That, that happens, but, you know, more often than not, this person's been living within those, you know, within that percentage, which means they have a certain, you know, set of rituals. And to have to change all of those rituals, I mean, timeline is a big thing, but the main thing is like, are you really willing to pay the cost? And I don't mean just pay me. That's the easy part. <laughs> no, and also... I, I I don't know if you you mentioned this and change is scary and that change is equated with the, even if someone's living in bad circumstances or uh, negative habits negative culture that still provides them with some sense of security and to openly or voluntarily switch into the unknown sounds nice yeah but it's rarely done. Yeah, man. It's and it's it's too far fetched. And sometimes too, honestly, when when clients give me that, I need to get to ten percent. I tell my brother this all the time. Um, I think that it's 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 really you're. They're making it so big that it's okay to fail. You know what I mean? Like, oh well, it was a good goal to have. And it's like, well, all right. But if you want to be specific, if you really want to get somewhere, you should be. You know, we need a clear vision. Because clarity is power. And if you just throw out 10% because it sounds nice or it'd be cool to be there, it's just not going to last, man. It's not It's not in line with who you are. And I can tell them that too. You know, and I'm very honest about that. It's like, this is not who you are. You know, this is going to be, when you get to 10%, people will not recognize you. And I don't just mean in the physical form. You know, you won't be the same person. Very well put. Yeah. Very well put, really. You know... You know, rising up and, and, and bringing yourself to a higher level. I mean, it takes something really special. Yeah. To raise yourself up, it really does require some sense in some areas of your life. You'll need separation. Yeah. You really will. Yeah. I'll give you an example. My one client, she went from her idea of a healthy meal was tuna fish on salad, right? Like on, on iceberg lettuce. Um, hated to cook, wouldn't cook, you know, mostly just eat out or just eat out of cans and boxes. Um, you know, and at this point, 
you know, she would, she drank, smoked, partied, the whole nine, the whole nine, right? Now, she made a complete overhaul of her life. She, she, this wasn't a should for her. This was an absolute must. Like, I'm changing. Why, though? Why did she want to change? For her, because she's in the health industry. You know, she works in a hospital. And for her, you know. Is she a nurse? Yeah, she's a nurse. Oh, understood. Yeah. And all the nurses aren't necessarily healthy. No. And, but for her, health was important. You know, she's not one of those that, like, you know, she wanted to be a nurse. She was, like, candy stripe girl the whole right, night. Right. Like, you know, right. And when her health was being, you know, challenged, that became an issue for her. So when she started with me, it was because of high blood pressure. And this woman made a complete overhaul of her life, talking about cooking, holistically, eating with Adele for over a year. Wow. You know, and, and... For those of you who don't know, Adele is a uh, friend of ours. Adele is... Adele um, is a great dietitian, nutritionist. She's a very intelligent person. Um, but she's kind of like our go-to person for nutrition. So, it's, And by the way, Adele's plans are fantastic, but... They're not necessarily easy. You better be committed. You better yeah, be committed. Yeah. So when Lewis said she she did Adele's plan for a year, that's what that meant. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard. So talk about a commitment level. And, and now she trains six days a week. You know, she went from it was like, hey, let's train three days a week. And that was all she could do to three days a week and go for a walk on a Monday. Then three days a week, go for a walk on Monday and Tuesday or Monday and Wednesday. Then three days a week, take a class and do cardio. To all of a sudden, you know, she's on stage showing off her body. But to get to that level was years. Yeah, man, it took her it took her a year to get on stage to get to that point. And from like from there, it was. But talk about a full commitment. Paying a nutritionist, paying a trainer, she was investing probably over, I'd say, twenty five thousand dollars a year. Not to mention the time, but completely different, Com- completely different person. Yeah, we just we just reinvested those, reinvested those financial commitments, those time commitments, and those sacrifices into people things that are going to help her prosper and yeah. create longevity for her life. Yeah, she drives in a Civic, but she walks around in a Ferrari, dude. Her That's body right. is ridiculous. At 53 years old now, or let's, God, I let, hope I got let's that repeat right. that. She yeah. drives a Civic, but she walks in a Ferrari. We're gonna have to write that one down. Good. You can I'm write that you. one down. She's smoking, and it's it's because she made a complete change. Mention cigarettes. Mention mention drinking. Mention she used to smoke. Eating, yeah, and that's right. Mention that the she um and confidence. Yeah. I'll do a completely different person. And actually, I love her like before and after picture that we have of her because the one in, in, you know, in the picture where you could see she wasn't herself. Yeah, hunched over, shoulders kind of rolled forward, closed off, hands crossed out in front of her, you know, and it just wasn't the same person. And you see her after picture, she's got her chest wide open, you know, shoulders pulled back, this bright smile on her face. It's incredible. Hmm. That's, man, yeah, and you were cer- certainly a part of that, but, you know, you're giving her giving her back the gift of life, the gift of health, the gift of uh, energy, which is yeah. something so special. And she pays it forward, man, you know, and she really became a part of the community. Everybody knows who she is, you know, when she walks through the gym. Sometimes she goes to Publix and people are like, hey, I know who you are, you know? So that, and now mind you, you know, she went from probably, I think she was like maybe in something like in the close to the 30, maybe a little over 30%, 
to you know she'll walk around you know 17 sometimes we'll get you know i think the lowest we've got is like 11 or you know close to 11 or 14 percent but that is a complete overhaul man totally different lifestyle totally that's incredible yeah that's incredible now do you have you ever dealt with anyone with a uh self-confessed or you have made you may have thought that they're you're dealing with a disorder it could be dysmorphia it could be an eating disorder it could be you know anything that we see that's prevalent in south beach yeah have you ever dealt with anyone like that yeah yeah um in south beach we would get a lot of models so i would get that a lot man a lot and you know they would come to me and they're like yeah i need to lose weight and i'm like from where you know from where I know this well, and you know the supporters that they have, or their their team players, are so old school in that world. You know where I remember I was dealing with one woman. I think you referred her to me, and I was training her in North Beach, and um, yeah, you know they're telling me no, she needs to lose more weight, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, mind you, and they were supportive of the fact that she wasn't. Eat- she was on a 700 calorie diet. Oh my goodness! Girl this, was this, like, let's not even get into the uh, metabolic damage and the, and the hormone deficiencies that are happening when you're going that type of, uh, the, 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 that deficit, that amount of stress you're placing on your body. I felt like I was shoot. The girl was 19 years old. I felt like I was trading an 80 year old, because if we move too fast, she'd get faint and like I gotta sl- I gotta slow down. That's like we're walking to the next exercise. We haven't even started it. So that was like. That was crazy for me. I couldn't believe it. You know what's interesting? I, I just thought about um, when you thought you, you were training an 80-year-old based on her limitations because of that severe caloric deficit and she was weren't getting her needs met. She didn't have energy. But think about it. What's the difference between – I mean, I know the difference in my mind, but you know, not putting judgment on these people. What's the difference between a model being at a deficit – to trying to create a look so she can make money yeah or an olympic athlete who's a wrestler trying to cut weight starving themselves to get a gold i don't know that there is much of a difference i mean they're their own sports in their own way you know what i mean they're their own level of competition and it's extremism both ways exactly and you know and i guess look when you got a goal in mind you do what you got to do and i can't you know i'm supportive of it to be honest in in the in when you do it for a specific goal but when you have someone who's a 19-year-old and they're doing it for money, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Do I they need know. the money? I don't want to judge. Yeah, do they need the money? Uh, is it, you know... No, sometimes it, it's their parents driving. I mean, 90% of the time it's their parents driving it. I, I knew a girl who was a model and she came in and she said she had to lose two inches off her waist. If you put your fingers on her waist, there was bone there. Unless you shave bone off her, yeah. you're not. She's not cutting two inches off her waist. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. But the agency told her she had to shave two inches off her waist, and uh, that was one girl. Another girl came in and said she didn't feel like she had a lot of energy. I asked her what she ate. She said, "Well, I hadn't eaten today. I'm on a water uh, fast." Yeah. Same I said, thing "How long have you been on this fast?" She said, three days." Three Same days. Thing. She only had water, and she wanted to train with me. Same thing. I said, we can't train today because that would be careless and irresponsible, and I can't. I've never lost a client, and I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to start now. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. 
I, you know, I can't judge because I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, but, I don't judge them because yeah. I've done extreme things for my sport. Honestly, yeah. I have. Do I think it's right? No, I don't. But no. that's just that's my personal opinion. If it was someone I cared about, I'd try to help them under, I'd give them information to help them understand why it's not beneficial and it's less than optimal and it's going to harm them. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's their decision. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's it's a tough conversation to have. And, you know, I know that people I know people that have dealt with it who weren't in the modeling industry and they didn't have a purpose behind it. They just had this thing they were dealing with. Um, And I can empathize with them and I can totally understand where they're coming from. I mean, I can't fully understand. But I mean, look, there's there's days where I go on a binge and and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm disgusted. I'm this, I'm that. And I'm sitting around, you know, 10, 11 percent body fat. So it's you you ever figure out why you go on the binge. No, sometimes it's purposely like we're gonna go to brunch and we're gonna binge and, and then it, I wake and it's up. a release right? <laughs> yeah exactly and then and and look i know that in three days it's gonna pass it's like i got a lot of sodium in my system retaining a lot of water i'm getting puffy because of all the sodium like i know those things but i can still look in the mirror and be like i did it the other day and i was like this sucks i'm getting up early and i'm gonna go kill the gym like i'm gonna kill intervals for an hour yeah, seriously i'm gonna knock this thing off and it's like, what are you talking about? But it's so, it's it's real. So I would never look at somebody and be like, oh, you're ridiculous. Like, you know, you're thin, blah, 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 blah. It, it's, it's in your head, you know? And we all deal with that voice in our head, so you can't judge. You know, how about, you know, you're dealing with these, with, with clients and, you know, I've been so lucky to have some incredible clients that I've said it in the past and I say it again, they've taught me more than I've ever taught them. But has there been someone that, you know, through the process of helping them make their transformation, they've taught you not only a lot about training the body and science, but a lot about life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had uh, all my clients... When you truly build rapport with somebody and you've got a sincere relationship, you know, they will teach you things about you because they have an outsider's perspective, you know? That's like an unbiased opinion yeah. because you don't live with them. Yeah. And are they a friend? Certainly they can be friends. And you have very close bonds. I know some of your clients and I mean, they would cut their arms off for you, yeah. but you're still not friends like you are with your buddies. So they, they kind of tell it to you straight almost. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, if you've got a good relationship, usually there's no filter or right. a very limited filter. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that's always good to have. So I learn with all of my clients and even growing with them and you, because what you start to learn as a trainer is that you don't have, there is no cookie cutter approach. There is no one size fits all. And when you get to work with different people, you get to see different avenues to reach success. And so, you know, learning not only, and mind you, in this business, if you're successful, it has everything to do with you. You are the business. You are the product. And so, the healthier, you know, the 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 more well-rounded you are, the more balanced you are, the better your business. Um, and that means that you're taking in the feedback. You're learning from them. You're mm-hmm. you're growing. And I mean, I've literally been to Tony Robbins' events with that client I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. You know, we've literally grown together. We've cr- cried together. You know, um, so you know, I've learned a lot from my clients. For sure. You know, if there was one thing that you could pass on to the personal training world, because a lot of trainers will listen to this. I've had, it, I've had amazing feedback from, you know, not just our team, but also uh, trainers, you know, on Facebook, social media. What could you pass on in regards to 
uh, training clients. I think, you know, trainers may feel that clients come and go, but I had a woman talk to our team today that I've been training for nine years. What? It's been an incredible relationship. She's a great person, and she's one of those individuals that certainly taught me more than I taught her. What would you pass on to these trainers to help them uh, to open up their mind and to help them have uh, not necessarily a more positive experience, but for them to get the most out of the experience, what would you pass on to them? I would say... That you didn't know then, you know, yeah, not one of those. I would say ask more questions. You don't have an answer for anyone. You know, ask more questions. Uh, there's a great book called... Um, it's The Secrets of a Six-Figure PT. And in that book, they use uh, neuro-linguistic programming techniques. But the main thing is, like, don't throw shit on the wall and see what sticks. Is like, if your client's going through something, ask them. If they need something from you, ask them, you know, what do you need from me as a coach? How can I best help you as a coach? We want to, you know, guess at, you know, well, I do the best workouts or, you know, I'm the best at this or I buy my clients these gifts. You're guessing. You know, if you just ask, man. Ask. Yeah, and if you, yeah, I'm sorry, Luz, yeah. but and, and let me just add this. If you, if you think that, that's a problem because you're limited. You're not open to the possibilities that you could possibly offer more if you learned a little bit more and as we all know there's always more to learn yeah and that's and that's so that was going to be my next point is keep asking don't ever think like okay i got this down a lock like this is one no this is what they want and because that means that you just slapped an identity on them you've put them in a category and now you're treating them as such and you're taking away that component of a, you're dealing with a human being and humans evolve and they grow and they change and what worked yesterday doesn't work today and so keep asking um, so that's the biggest thing and then I think relationships like having your own you know strong personal relationships outside of the gym is a great you know it's it's like it's like this I don't necessarily know that I trust a trainer who is in and out of relationships meaning like intimate relationships or can't hold one down because this is really, you know, how much do you really care? How much of it is it really about the other person? Um, you know, and honestly, if you're in a good relationship, meaning that, you, you know, you obviously you're the one, you have to make it good. There is no such thing as, like, oh, I just got a good relationship. Um, but yeah, like, you know, with my girlfriend and I, I mean, she teaches me so much. And that has really allowed me to grow. Shout out to DZ. Yeah, she, she's incredible. And she challenges me like no other, um, constantly questioning me, um, you know, and I don't mean in a negative way, but just always trying to get more out of me. Like, you know, tell me about this. Like almost every conversation we have, she acts as if like, you know, she's meeting me for the first time, which is pretty cool because um, I learn things about myself and trying to answer some of these questions that she presents in a lot of ways. Um, but being able to grow and cultivate that relationship, especially around a crazy schedule like trainers have. You, you develop a lot of, I don't want to say it like, you know, my relationship is about developing skills for personal training. That's not what it's about. But my relationship has helped me grow so much in my business. Absolutely. And I say this often, being good at one thing, and it's, I use good for lack of a better term, but as you said, the, the solidarity, the, having a solid relationship, solid relationships with other people, that's going to help you build those relationships with your clients being good at one thing makes you better at another 
If you're struggling with your own, you're going to struggle with theirs. It's just, that's the way it is. The way you do one is... The way you do all. That's right. Awesome, man. I can't thank you enough. That was incredible. We're going to have to make this a 10-part series now. (laughs) No, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. I appreciate the questions. I hope that it, you know, that it helps someone. And, um, yeah, man, it's always fun to to grow with you, to talk with you, and, uh, you know, to go through those challenges. Thank you. You're welcome. And well, last thing, let's leave uh, the the personal training world in, or the health world. Let's give people who want to be healthier something to look into and read up on. What would that be? Pick Oof. pick anything, you know, uh, something w- that's going to develop. It could be the body or their mind, anything. Yeah, I would say pick up the book, The Power of Habit. The Power of Habit by yeah. Stephen Covey. Not Stephen Covey. I mean, uh, um, I forget his name. The Power of Habit. It, it's, it, no, that's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, it's Dan. I believe it's Dan. I have it here. The Power of Habit. It's a great book. And I gave Stephen Covey the, uh, <laughs> the, credit. the credit. He's not going to like that. Uh, let's see. I have it here. The Power of Habit. Charles Duhigg. Charles Duhigg. And actually, he's got a video. If you just look up the video, too. Well, let me. On YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. All right, so certainly check out the YouTube video for yeah. sure. Yeah, and he'll he'll kind of break down what the book is about by giving you, uh, you know, uh, a breakdown of this research they did with rats in the world's easiest maze. It's pretty cool. Nice. It's a cool concept, and it just teaches you how you can change your life if you become aware of your habits, and then you create new habits that are aligned with your values and your, you know, the identity at which you want, you know, that you want to create. So it's an amazing book. And if the way you do one is the way you do all. So right. if you get that down, you know, and start changing little habits at a time, you just transfer that into health, fitness, exercise, etc. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, Lewis. Hello to the family. Appreciate we it. have a basketball game, a one-on-one. <laughs> Lewis spotted me 20 points, so it'll be fun. Maybe we can bring Manning out there and uh, Joe. That'll be awesome. Tell Joe to stop dunking on those seven-foot rims. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you, brother.